Boom. Really need to find a way of getting that music to continue playing in the background because it's a bloody good song, that. And I hate coming off so abruptly. But welcome. Hello. Welcome to VUX World. I am Kane Sims and I'm here again on Tuesday for another rundown of what is new in the world of conversational AI, NLP technologies, speech technologies, and all that jazz. So welcome. If you are new here, uh, welcome. Uh, I've been doing these every Tuesday. I'm going to carry on doing them. So I'm not not with a guest today. Uh, I'll tell you about the guests that we have coming up on VUX World very, very shortly. Um, if you're not already subscribed to VUX World, please do so. VUX.world forward slash subscribe. Uh, there you will get all of the invites to all of the live events that we do with conversational AI and NLP industry thought leaders every single week. Um and you'll also get our articles, our industry analysis and insights, news, all that kind of stuff to your inbox as well. Uh, fantastically, what's happened today, I've realized, might have happened yesterday, I don't know, I had a lie-in, <laughs> is that LinkedIn has finally allowed newsletters in the UK. So LinkedIn has had newsletter capabilities uh, in the US for absolutely ages. I've subscribed to a whole bunch of them. Uh, Bernard Ma does a very, very good one all about AI and future developments of AI. And finally, I logged into LinkedIn and there it was, the ability to create a newsletter. So I have created one. I am on the LinkedIn newsletter bandwagon. It is called Conversational AI and NLP. The link is on screen right now. For those listening on the podcast, I do apologize. It is the most horrific URL you have ever experienced in your whole life. LinkedIn has a, something about LinkedIn. It just generates completely terrible URLs. Um, and so the URL is LinkedIn.com linkedin.com forward slash newsletters forward slash conversational dash AI dash NLP dash remember this bit 6863707795267584000 so so there you go but if you do go to my profile on LinkedIn which is a lot easier linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Kane Sims then you'll find the link to the newsletter basically what I'm going to do is we've had the VUX World newsletter for quite some time and every single week we share whatever we've published on VUX World whatever podcasts we've published whatever events we've got coming up and whatever kind of like noteworthy stories we find uh, online and uh, on, on, on the internet, et cetera. Um, and that's what we're going to do with this LinkedIn newsletter. It's going to be very specific. It's going to be hand curated, the best top stories in the conversational AI and NLP space. Anything that will help you make better strategic decisions, we're going to cover in this newsletter. It's going to be every single Tuesday. So please do subscribe. There's over 1,100 people subscribed to it already in the space of not even six hours, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so thank you very much if you have subscribed. And uh, yeah, we're going to roll on with it. Been lots happening uh, over the last week. Yesterday was a fantastic event put together by the Swiss Cognitive team, uh, Cognitive Virtual, and it was all about how AI is leading to autonomy. And the team at Swiss Virtual, uh, sorry, at, at um, Swiss Cognitive, I must say, are incredibly well organized. The event ran for about three hours. I did the closing keynote, and 
it was just so well put together. It was polished. It was professional. Uh, a lot of excellent speakers covering a lot of great topics. There was content. There was you know deep dive insights. There was research being presented. There was a whole bunch of uh, really interesting uh, topics being discussed. And so I won't give away too much. I would strongly suggest that you find Swiss Cognitive either on LinkedIn or YouTube or wherever you decide to uh, spend your time on the proverbial social networks. Uh, definitely search for Swiss Cognitive and definitely check out the event. It was really, really good. My keynote was probably around about two hours and 45 minutes. That wasn't the length of it, although the material that was in there could have probably gone for that long. But two hours, 45 minutes is where my keynote is. And essentially, I'm talking about one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to AI and how you can overcome that in a matter of five days. The upshot, essentially, and I'll clip up the the whole video and share it more broadly. The upshot, basically, is that most organizational cultures uh, will, they're very risk-averse, and they all operate mostly in this waterfall kind of environment, waterfall culture, where all of your requirements have to be gathered up front. Everything has to be planned in severe detail. And then you go through a big design phase, a big execution phase, and then you learn at the very end of the project when you're finally live. Um, and that's the way that most organizations work. The challenge of that with AI is that there are two things that are incredibly uncertain. One is your requirements, because a lot of organizations don't really know what kind of use cases on which kind of channels uh, they should should be starting off with. And also there's uncertainty around the technology. A lot of organizations don't understand much about AI technologies, how to utilize them and how to organize themselves uh, to be able to benefit from them. And so when you're in an environment where you do not understand your requirements and you do not understand your technology, you have no choice really, but to use a more agile approach. And so this five day sprint that I was sharing uh, yesterday is essentially a way of defining uh, an AI strategy in five days and validating an AI strategy in five days. So do check out the Swiss Cognitive uh, cognitive Virtual Event if you want to learn more about that. You can also go to vux.world forward slash strategy sprint because that's basically what I was talking about. Um, so coming up for you this week, uh, we are chatting to Darren Clark, who is uh, one of the team members over there at SoundHound. You might know SoundHound. If, you, if you're familiar with the podcast, if you're familiar with VUX World, you've tuned in in the past, you'll know SoundHound. Uh, they are one of the leading independent voice assistant platform providers. And they, they power assistants like um, Hey Mercedes. And, you know, they've partnered with MasterCard for a voice-enabled restaurant ordering uh, capability. And they are, you know, well-known in the conversational AI and speech field. And Darren will be joining us this uh, Wednesday, actually. I said Thursday. It's actually Wednesday tomorrow. Uh, a little bit later than now, to discuss wake word detection. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, speech technologies and NLP technologies, you probably are familiar, though, with Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, and voice assistant technologies in general. And the way that those voice assistants essentially listen to people, or at least are told that they should start listening to people, is with a wake word, which is, hey, Siri, or it's going to go. No, it's not going to go because it doesn't listen to me. And that's symptomatic. <laughs> um, or, or Alexa or Hey Google, whatever, whatever those phrases are that wake up your assistant, that is known as a wake word. Now, most organizations and most people, actually, if you work in, in marketing and in customer experience and in innovation, you probably take for granted that when you say something, your device wakes up and it starts listening to what you're saying. But the reality is that to build that capability, there's a hell of a lot going 
going on under the hood. So we're going to be talking to Darren tomorrow about just exactly what wake word detection is, how it works, and crucially, how your business or brand can create its own wake words and deploy your voice assistant and have your voice assistant be accessible via wake word detection. You know, you, and, and this is a trend that we're going to see definitely more so in future. <clears throat> we're starting to see it a little bit now. Um, there's a lot of banking apps that actually don't use wake word detection yet. They're still, you activate the voice assistant by clicking the microphone button. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But things like, you know, in-car voice assistants like Hey Mercedes and the BMW assistant, all of those have wake word detection. If you open the Amazon Alexa app, you'll notice that the Amazon Alexa app has wake word detection enabled. So when you open the Alexa app, you just say Alexa to your phone and it will activate the assistant. So what we're going to see over time, 100% is that a way of navigating apps is going to be by invoking a voice assistant. And not just navigating apps, but getting stuff done on mobile is going to be via a voice assistant and via likely a branded independent voice assistant from your brand. And the way that you get into that experience will be through a wake word. So even if you're not at the point yet where you're building your own voice capabilities inside your app or your own digital estate, you will be in future and learning now about it and how it works and how you can utilize it will stand you in good stead for when you eventually get to that point, which you inevitably will, at least that is my belief. So here's another horrible LinkedIn URL for you to visit. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, linkedin.com forward slash events forward slash 684 five eight six nine seven five three nine two four four three zero two three three six linkedin needs to absolutely sort its urls out i can tell you um otherwise you can just go to vux.world forward slash events and all the events are listed on there or go to my profile on linkedin and you'll find them all there as well uh, so if you, yeah, do, do tune in it's going to be an absolutely epic one uh, last week we spoke to Chandra Katri who is the head of AI at Got It AI and what we've been doing on VUX World recently over the probably I would say the last maybe two to three months we've had a lot of startups on and we've had a lot of companies and a lot of individuals talking about some very uh, incredibly exciting stuff so we had um, Jason Mars on the podcast recently who is a professor at Michigan University he's the co-founder of Clink and one of the kind of like probably most experienced definitely one of the most enthusiastic and charismatic individuals uh, in this space and we had him on talking about zero shot bot um, and we had uh, Nikolai I'm going to find his name so I'll make sure I don't butcher it he's from Vlooper AI uh, Nikolai Rosanov, sorry about that, Nikolai. Uh, Nikolai Rosanov from Vlooper talking about Vlooper's technology. We then also had um, Israel Crush from Hyro discussing their technology. And then finally, with uh, Chandra Katri of Got AI discussing their technology. And the reason why I'm going through all of those podcasts that we've done and discussions that we've had over the last couple of weeks is that they all share one thing in common, is that they do not, these companies do not have uh, what is more traditionally known uh, or classically known as classical NLU systems, natural language understanding systems. If anyone out there has ever designed or built a voice assistant or a chatbot or any conversational application, you will be familiar with NLU systems and you will be familiar with intent-based NLU systems. Dialogflow, Microsoft Lewis, Amazon Lex, the vast majority of uh, conversational AI platform providers, Cognigees, Boosts, you know, you name it, 
the vast majority of them use intent-based NLU systems. And these conversations we've been having over the last couple of weeks have really shone a light on just how frail uh, these NLU systems can be, especially when you start scaling. Jason Barmer's saying uh, that rolls off the tongue. I think you're referring to the, the uh, URLs that we've got on LinkedIn. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it really does roll off the tongue. Um, <laughs> so, so the discussions that we've been having have been around the limitations of NLU technologies and the, and the, the difficulty in scaling NLU technologies and how transformer-based NLU models perform a lot better. We don't need to get into the technical details of transformer models, even though Chandra did get into that in great detail on the podcast. And the reason for that is because I'm not a techie and I wanted to understand it. And so if I left that podcast understanding it, which I kind of think I do, then I think you will leave the podcast understanding it as well. Um, And so please do check that out if you are interested in what I describe as the future of natural language understanding. Most natural language understanding systems, most chatbots, most voice bots, most conversational assistants that are that have anything to do with content will be using this technology in the next two years. I can promise you that. So to get a jump on it, to learn more about it right now, check out vux.world forward slash podcast and check out the one with Chandra Katri. It was absolutely immense. We also spoke to Gal Klein, uh, who is the CEO of Audio Burst last week as well. Audio Burst has a very unique um, philosophy and a very unique technology. Essentially what it does is it takes content like this, audio like this, spoken word audio. And it essentially tries to, or it does, understand the the component parts of the conversation. It breaks up the topics that are discussed within a spoken piece of audio and makes those individual snippets searchable and findable. And what we were talking to Gal about was essentially how there is so much audio that is produced in the world today. Every single radio station broadcasting 24 hours a day, some of them, every single podcast that gets created, we're creating two to three podcasts a week at the moment. And it doesn't sound like that much, but for an individual to sit there and talk for three hours per week, that's three hours worth of content. And unless you listen to this podcast from beginning to end, all of the rich content, the inevitably rich content that we do get into on the podcast ends up getting lost and ends up being uh, difficult to find. And so what audio bursts do is they take things like podcasts, like news bulletins and things like that. They chop that audio up using the AI behind the scenes to to automatically understand the subtopics within each uh, piece of audio. And they then make that audio discoverable via a natural language interface on the front end. So we haven't set it up yet, but I'm definitely going to look at it for the VUX World website, which is that if you go to, for example, the VUX World website and you were able to activate the, the uh, search box and just say, uh, what is conversation design? what it will do is it will interrogate all of the podcasts that we have and it will find the snippets of the podcasts that discuss conversation design and return those and it's such a really unique way of one repurposing audio and two making more use of your audio and getting it discovered and so shout out to the audio burst team and do check out vux.world forward slash podcast uh, the interview we did with gal klein who is the ceo of audio burst if you're interested in learning a little bit more about that. Uh, and it really, for, for news organizations, for media companies, especially if you do anything to do with news or anything like that, this technology is an absolute game changer. And what I was saying to Gal is that there's a serious untapped market because you know how YouTube now, it will put little kind of like chapterized markers in there and you can you can state and create chapters in YouTube videos. Most of that is a manual task. Uh, YouTube will try and generate some of that on its own, but it's incredibly hit and miss. So something like Audio Burst um, will be absolutely I- immense for that. 
So do check out that podcast. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, Another piece of hot news, and this was kind of like um, right after last week's broadcast when we did this rundown, uh, this news was published, which was that Microsoft announced that it is releasing or has released, I can't remember the exact state, I think it's generally available actually, uh, a contact center capability within the Dynamics 365 CRM. Excuse me. This has been uh, rumored to be on the cards for quite some time. It seems to be the only thing that Microsoft don't do. Jason Barmer, who was commenting earlier on, I can see you. What your tagline is? Let's talk about CPaaS. So we know that Microsoft have CPaaS-like capabilities, and we know that they have incredible power and uh, reliability when it comes to their AI provision, especially on the speech and NLU side. Um, they've got you know a good, decent presence, not an, not an amazing presence, but a decent enough presence in the CRM space with Dynamics 365. They've got a dramatically huge presence and it's increased tremendously over the last year given COVID situations, everyone working from home, uh, presence in the enterprise with Teams. Almost every large-scale enterprise at the moment runs on Teams. And so the only thing really that Microsoft was missing was a contact center capability. And there have been rumors about that being plumbed into Teams potentially. And it turns out that now it is actually going to be part of Office, uh, sorry, of Dynamics 365. Talking to Michael Nelson about this uh, recently, shout out to Mike if you are watching. Um, and we were discussing why did Microsoft put it within Dynamics 365. Salesforce is inevitably the market leader in CRM technology and that Salesforce does have a partnership with Amazon Connect and so Salesforce is bringing about the similar kind of capabilities within the Salesforce product. But for Microsoft to embed that contact center within Dynamics 365, it almost seems as though they're kind of limiting their market a little bit because their market share in the CRM space isn't exactly huge. However, their enterprise footprint is massive and so would it have been a more sensible option to put it in with teams rather than dynamics 365 do microsoft have a big enough customer base that already are utilizing dynamics 365 to make this thing a worthwhile investment to try and upsell existing customers will people actually just start using and switching their crm to dynamics 365 purely because of the benefits of the contact center that microsoft is providing all of this is yet to be uh, discovered but what I thought was really, really interesting, and the reason why we're talking about it on this, we obviously do cover uh, CX technology and the likes of CPaaS and stuff like that. But our our lens is always an automation lens and an AI-powered customer experience lens because that is ultimately what all of these technologies are going to turn into over time. CPaaS, um, you know, contact centers, these are going to be the front end of businesses, basically, is going to be an AI, conversational AI, and it's a CPaaS and the contact center that's going to power it all. And so... What was interesting with Microsoft when they launched the, um, the the contact center is that they pretty much said not really much about the contact center itself. It seems as though um, it's going to just provide what you would expect from a contact center. Although when we chatted again, shout out to Mike, he was saying that um, Michael Nelson was talking about how there is very little by way of uh, workflow management and, you know, a whole bunch of things around those lines that were published. And that's because basically Microsoft have just used the AI lens with this. Essentially, it's contact center, baseline, fundamental contact center capabilities, but 
the secret sauce or the selling point really is the fact that there's AI infused throughout the entire thing and it's all speech based. So for example, one of the things it has is real time transcriptions, which means that as you're on a call with a customer, the conversation will be transcribed in real time so that the agent can see it there and then. It means there's no more asking customers to repeat themselves. It's no more tracking back through the conversation and it helps people keep on track and make sure that they are on the same page. And it also helps feed into analysis and analytics further down the line. Um, live sentiment analysis. So you can, I mean, there's, a, there's a, <laughs> I suppose there is an argument that humans should be able to detect sentiment and then use their skills to be able to turn a bad conversation into a positive conversation. But every single individual is so fundamentally different that not everybody is as good as others at picking up those kind of signals. And so having sentiment analysis within your call center built in native as the default part of the contact center provision means that absolutely every single person answering calls has got access to the exact same information. And the reporting is a, is far richer. The coaching and training can be far more, um, effective and you are able to, uh, understand the emotional states of users and, respond to that in real time, essentially, uh, in a consistent way. It's got proactive AI-driven recommendations. Now, this is essentially agent assist technology. So imagine that you're a call handler and you're on the phone to a customer. It, it, you have like a little widget. You know, we spoke to Bolto and Mark Bernstein from Bolto. This is exactly what they do, and they specialize in this stuff, which is that the technology listens to the call, listens to the customer, listens to the agent. And then over the course of that call, using natural language understanding, it recognizes what the user is, is trying to accomplish. And then it will suggest things that the agent can do, questions to ask, information to share, and guides the user, uh, guides the agent basically, as far as managing that conversation. So that's built into this contact center platform from Microsoft. Real-time translation. Now, this could be absolutely epic it's a bit light on detail to see what it actually does entail but if you can imagine a world where somebody in i don't know brazil can call a contact center that is hosted in the us and the person in brazil speaks portuguese and the person in the us speaks english obviously uh, and have that conversation transcribed from portuguese into english in real time on the phone so that the english call handler english speaking call handler can understand what was said and then respond and have that translation made again due in real time using a synthetic voice to relay that conversation back to the to the Brazilian speaker, Portuguese speaker on the other end. I don't know if it goes as far as that. I think that this is pretty much just incoming signal, you know, Portuguese in, transcribe, translate, and print the uh, translated equivalent on screen into whatever language it's translated into. I don't think it goes the other way yet from the agent back to the customer, but you know, halfway is better than nothing. Um, it's got AI-based routing, which can automatically route calls to the right agents based on their kind of capabilities and, and, and things like that. AI analytics, which will tell you things like, uh, you know, what are most people calling about and where do most people drop out and, and all that kind of stuff allows you to, to identify pain points. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. There was about 10 different features that it announced, and most of them were, seven out of 10 were AI-based, uh, conversational AI-based. Obviously, it has an integration with Microsoft Power Agents, which means that you can actually build automated conversations within the phone line itself for self-service and stuff like that. And so it'll be really, really interesting to see how this pans out and where it goes because, um, yeah, it was it was long rumored. Uh, it took a while to get there, but yeah, there you go. Microsoft have entered the contact center space. 
Moving on, that was a mouthful. There was a hell of a lot of information in that digest. Um, Symbol AI has raised $17 million. Congratulations. That's a Series A funding round that follows their seed funding round of $4 million, which was around about uh, 2019, I think, when it launched. Oh, in fact, actually, it might have only been last year. I think it's only been around for, for a year or so. And essentially, what Symbol AI does is conversational uh insights and analytics essentially it helps you understand and um uh, and analyze in real time what the nature of speech is and we're going to have hold on a minute, i've got a, got a comment through here from sorry it just says linkedin user and i uh, can't see who that is but it says i read the translation on dynamics voice ai from english to hindi i had a good laugh it will take some time to get there i can imagine that i can imagine so i know that google's real-time translate it's not actually that bad uh, i've used that in in france and i've also used it in holland and it wasn't too bad but it, there's obviously a lag in me speaking into the phone waiting for it to be translated and then showing it i actually uh last time i was in italy before the pandemic uh the, we stayed in a hotel and it was just like a, a series of kind of like um buildings so you have one building the next building is somebody else but it is part of a hotel complex and what they did is at certain times probably about 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night the gate would lock private kind of like uh land and the gate would lock and you couldn't get out until seven o'clock the next morning now and, and sorry, no, you could get out, but you couldn't get back in again. That's it until seven o'clock in the morning. So what happened is me and my wife, we'd packed up. We had an early flight. We left the hotel, left the gate um, and the gate shut behind us. And then we realized, oh, sorry, no, no, that's light. You couldn't get out. That's what it is. Some, I can't remember exactly what the story was now, but there's something to do with the gate. Basically, I think we left. Oh, that was it. I think we left our key inside the hotel, locked the hotel door and couldn't get out the gate. Something daft like that. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is I had to knock up one of the neighboring properties, this is at six o'clock in the morning, I had to get them out of bed to come and help us get through the gate. And it was an Italian couple who had a little dog called Ducasa, which is definitely what I'm going to name my dog if I ever have a female dog. And uh, I used Google Translate at six o'clock in the morning to communicate the fact that our key had been left in a hotel, we can't get out of the gate, so he couldn't come and help me. And that kind of worked. It took a bit of effort, but it kind of worked. I think the biggest barrier there was that I was translating English into French and the guy was Italian. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, yes, I, th I can imagine that real-time translate will take a bit of a while to get there. I think the thing with this stuff is that it just needs to be good enough for somebody to understand, broadly speaking, what was said. You don't need to understand every single you know detail often as long as you can get the gist of what's said you can still hold a conversation so but anyway i think that you're right you know we'll see we'll see how it goes and we'll see um we'll see we'll see yeah see how it goes uh Cool. Cheers for that comment. Uh, moving on, as I was saying, yeah, Simple AI, we have uh, Subi uh, Rathor on the podcast in uh, about two weeks' time. We're going to be discussing Simple AI. We're going to be discussing what it does. We're going to be discussing the, the funding round and a whole bunch of good stuff around there. So again, vux.world forward slash events if you want to sign up to that one. InWorld AI has also, uh, today or yesterday, just raised $7 million. I keep, I keep mentioning... Um, funding and stuff like that because i think it's a really good indication of confidence in the market confidence in this kind of technology and confidence in the value that it is and can and will have in the world and uh, in world ai i agree better to be able to communicate a little bit rather than win exactly yeah exactly i agree um in world ai is founded by the uh, the all the ex founders of uh, dialogue flow and so, essentially, the, the I'll, I'll go through exactly what it does in a moment. Let me just kind of 
dig up the uh, the details. It's gone now. It's uh, yeah, it's gone. Uh, anyway, founded by the ex-founders of Dialogflow. I forget the guy's name. Uh, apologies for for overlooking that. Um, and essentially, what it does is, we've been hearing a lot of stuff about the metaverse recently, haven't we? And Facebook kind of like pivoting its whole sort of operation towards trying to create this metaverse and the environment for developers and brands and third parties to build uh, tools and build characters and build kind of like um, products and a whole bunch of stuff that's going to live inside this metaverse. And then you saw Nike, that, you know, Nike has got a patent filed for uh, digital sneakers that they're going to be selling in the metaverse. In world AI, uh, what is so interesting about this is that this capability is intended for you, anyone, to be able to build an, uh, a character, an avatar, likely 3D because it's going to exist in the metaverse, as it's called. Um, but using natural language technologies, it will be essentially a bot, right? A, a virtual character walking around doing stuff going places having conversations but it will be an automated conversation and so in world it provides a technology platform for you to build the avatars and for you to build the dialogue systems that sit around the avatar essentially equipping that virtual person to be able to have conversations and I think $7 million at this stage, I suppose, is pretty decent. I think it's going to take a lot more to, to build this technology out because as soon as you start adding anything on top of language, like even a gaze you know, or facial expressions or hand movements and body language, it starts to get incredibly complex. So they're, they're definitely working on very complex problems there. Um, but what's interesting is the potential for this. If things go the way that Mark Zuckerberg would have them go, and if things go the way that the articles hyping up the metaverse would have you believe, uh, bearing in mind that this is all 100% part of the hype cycle, and so it will be overhyped to death before we eventually realize that what's there is actually not as good as we thought it would be and start actually building some proper stuff for it. But... <laughs> over the long term, if this does go the way that certain people would have you believe it is... Um, then in-world AI will have the capabilities to uh, for brands for, to be able to build their own virtual selves. So one of the things that you do when you create any conversational application is that you create your personality for your brand to make sure that you provide a consistent customer experience across all of your many different users who all will interpret the brand and the conversation and the person behind the conversation slightly differently unless you try and design to have some consistency with that. It's like taking that a step further, designing the actual body, designing the the claw. Like what, 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 that's a bit, self-explanatory or rhetorical question in terms of what a Nike persona would look like because they'll be head to toe Nike wearing a pair of Air Max, etc. <laughs> but for certain brands, they will have some very uh, interesting opportunities here. What would it be like to have your brand representative present 24 hours a day in a virtual environment, having virtual conversations with other kind of virtual humans but real humans on the other end you know what does that say for your kind of like customer experience what does that say for your brand engagement what does it say for sales can you sell stuff in there will this be a virtual sales rep that's going around upselling people and all this kind of stuff uh, and then also things like you know celebrities and all this kind of stuff it it, it just opens up a, a whole mad world of possibilities which uh, which is really really interesting so congratulations to in world ai uh, ronald mcdonald that you know that is exactly i've got a i've got an evernote article um fired up which i'm ready to publish probably at the back end of the week 
that delves into this a little bit more. And Ronald McDonald is the exact character that I was thinking of because it's McDonald's opportunity to bring Ronald McDonald to life in the uh, in the <laughs> in this metaverse. Miguel Costa says, "Will it replace uh, websites?" Will it reflect? It's a good question. I think I, I think that all of this is a lot further away than than we would have it us believe. Basically, I think that we're probably a long way away from this. Not a long way away from the technology and the environments existing for uh, that reality to be there. It's all about customer adoption and customer engagement. Like one of the things that people always said about smart speakers is that smart speakers will be the next app store. You know, the adoption of smart speakers, the fact that you can build apps on there, the fact that you can uh, process transactions on there. The, app, the, the smart speaker was kind of forecast in 2017, 2018 to be the next app store. It was forecast that there'll be a killer app and there'll be multi-millionaires, multi-billionaire companies created off the back of the voice operating system. Now, I don't dispute that that could still happen, but it hasn't happened yet. In fact, the vast majority of people that build on these platforms have really struggled to monetize. There's a handful of people who have managed to monetize, Invoked Apps being one of them, um, Matchbox being another one, and um, uh, Tom Hewitson's company, I forget the name, uh, I forget the name off the top of my head. But those are the only three companies that have uh, voice arcade. Those are the only companies that have managed to actually monetize this stuff. And the jury's still out about whether that's long-term monetization or whether it's just riding the wave right now. And so... The question, the answer, I think, Miguel, is that it entirely depends how fast people can adopt it. If you need a VR headset, and I know that Mark Zuckerberg was saying that you'll be able to access it on mobile and be able to access it on desktop and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is if it's supposed to be an immersive third world, then inevitably a, a VR headset of some description makes kind of sense. And the other challenge with that, I think, is that it is truly an immersive thing whereas a, a smart speaker and a voice interface is a passive interface it's something that you can access and utilize while you're doing something else mobile phones tend to be quite immersive but with voice interfaces on them they're, they're becoming a bit more passive but it generally when you're on your mobile you have to give it your attention same thing with the desktop and i think the same thing will be the case with the metaverse it's not like you're going to have 19 tabs open because i think that it's going to require a lot more cognitive effort so whether it will replace, web, replace websites, I think, is all about how fast will people adopt it and how much time will people spend in there. I think that, you know, it's nice in theory to think about, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, we can have virtual meetings and our company can exist virtually and people can work from anywhere, but we can still be together and we can still collaborate and all that kind of stuff. Um the same kind of stuff was said about Amazon Alexa. Wouldn't it be nice if I could just walk into work and just ask Alexa to pull up the slide deck that I'm presenting in five minutes? And that's technically possible, but it just hasn't happened because the the consumer confidence, demand, and traction hasn't been there. So it's a massive, massive question. I think there's more chance of conversational interfaces replacing websites uh, before the metaverse replaces websites because at least you can utilize your website content. You can utilize the everything you know about customers in their existing channels that they've been using for decades. And you can use that to create um, a, an auto automated AI that is able to answer questions, serve people, process transactions, you know, allow people to get stuff done. That's far more likely in the medium term, I think, than it is the metaverse turns into, um, you know, replaces websites. But what the hell do I know? <laughs> <laughs> ultimately um anyway congratulations to inworld ai i'm definitely interested in seeing where that goes this is probably uh, another interesting thing that is probably something that inworld ai could utilize to be totally honest because nvidia have uh, announced uh, some capability called audio to face 
Uh, Miguel, let me know if you've if you've heard about this, and also uh, the other uh, girl or girl who uh, boy or girl who uh, was commenting a minute ago. For some reason, this program doesn't tell tell me your name, so apologies for that. Uh, let me know if you've heard about this because it's really interesting. Nvidia's Audio Two Face will streamline character animation. So basically, what does it do? It allows you to uh, upload a a speech piece of speech, right? Audio containing speech someone's keeping trying to ring me uh audio containing speech and what it will do is it will as you create a avatar a character basically in whatever program you use this is mainly for like game designers and stuff like that but it has wider applications but let's use the use case of a game let's say you're designing a game like i don't know grand theft auto grand theft auto is the only game i can think of because the last time i was playing games like this was when i was about 15 and grand theft auto was the game of choice (laughs) but imagine you're designing a game one of the hardest parts about designing uh, any kind of animation, animated characters, whether it's you know a cartoon, whether it's an animated video, whether it's a game character, is syncing up the voice and the speech to the audio. Because when you're designing a character, a digital character, you basically have to sync those mouth movements um, in, in, in frame by frame, basically. Now, I know that Adobe, um, it's not XD, it's, I think it's Illustrator. In fact, actually, it might be called Character Animator, had some capabilities like this where you could assign a, a mouth uh, to a specific phoneme and then you could talk and it would begin generating the mouth movements. But what NVIDIA's technology does is it will take your entire character and the videos that they've got on the NVIDIA website is like a rhinoceros or a, you know, a, a, a character, another person. And you can feed it the audio sample and it will create the mouth movements and facial expressions in real time generated for that character, which means that you can, for example, let's say that you're creating a, an animated video. You know those typical animated sales videos? I get messages on LinkedIn all the time. You should create an animated sales video from a company who creates animated sales videos. It will make their life a hell of a lot easier because you can just record your audio, feed it to your character and have your character speak that audio properly. And so something like InWorld, who's trying to create virtual avatars that have uh, conversational capabilities, could be able to utilize something like this uh, to help their developers and their process. So it's interesting, and it is building on top of likely it's some NLP, some speech recognition, a whole bunch of kind of technologies, and then obviously translating that into mouth movements on the on the other end. But I think that this has broader application beyond game design. I think that we'll see uh, a lot of interesting stuff come from this. Uh, Last, uh, second to last thing, I've been going for 38 minutes. I can't believe it's been going that long. This is how this is how uh, mental this industry is. All this stuff is stuff that have happened from last Wednesday, and it's not even stuff that it's not even the extent of it all. <laughs> this is just the stuff that we've decided to talk about. Uh, Coinbase acquires Agara. So Coinbase, as you know, it's one of the leading uh, crypto. Is it? Uh, crypto investment platforms um, and it's quite acquired Agara. Agara is a conversational AI company. I believe that started out in India is now based in uh, in the US, but it's now based in Coinbase. Um, and they've essentially acquired the platform. It's an unspecified amount. Or did I see the sum of 40 million mentioned? I can't remember now. Um, but they were taking the technology and using it in-house for their customer support initiatives. And 
the reason why I think this is interesting, it's very similar to the uh, funding that we're seeing being poured into this industry, but this one obviously is an acquisition. It follows the acquisition of Botmock by Walmart, which is another example of a private organization acquiring a conversational AI startup. And this is a trend that we're going to see. We're going to see this trend happen both ways. So one is organizations, private organizations or public organizations acquiring capabilities from the marketplace, taking startups off the market and absorbing them in-house to enhance their own capabilities and their services. Uh, you would expect this from Microsoft. We didn't expect them to acquire Nuance, but you would expect that kind of activity. You know, Google back in the day acquired API.ai, which is the uh, in-world founders created that. That turned into Dialogflow. Uh, and Apple, you know, acquired Pullstring and acquires all kinds of um, voices and a whole bunch of other capabilities. You expect that from the big companies, you expect them to go down into the market, find innovative technologies, bring it in-house because they're trying to enhance their AI provision themselves. They're trying to make their services that they provide to others better. What's interesting about this is that these companies are not trying to do that. They're trying to take technology and essentially avoid themselves having to build it themselves or avoid themselves from having to use a Google or an Amazon or a Microsoft for all their capabilities. And so Walmart acquired Botmock uh, likely will take the, the technology from within that, work it into its workflow. Coinbase acquiring Agara, more than likely, they'll probably just keep Agara as it is. It works in a voice environment, it works in a chat environment, probably just use that and build out their customer service and customer support offering uh, within that. At the same time, though, I mentioned it will go both ways. That's going one way. That's companies coming out to the marketplace, acquiring startups and bringing them in-house. At the same time, you'll see the opposite happening. Companies who've developed technology in-house sharing that more broadly with the market. It's happening at Deutsche Telekom, and we're going to have Deutsche Telekom on the podcast in January to talk about the capabilities that they've been building and how they're making that available to the wider public. They've essentially built a conversational AI platform that... Um, they've been using to build out their capabilities, but they're going to be releasing that and making it more broadly available, which is interesting. We had uh, Justin Randall on the podcast many months ago from Comwave. He was a chief innovation officer at Comwave, and he built a bot called Penny on Dialogflow, but he had a whole bunch of dialogue management capabilities underneath it that he'd built himself. Their intention at Comwave was to license that capability out to other telecom providers. And so we're seeing that Internally, capabilities are being created that are then going to be marketed and broadcast or shared with uh, third parties. And at the same time, those that can't develop their own are going out into the marketplace and acquiring. So it's a, it's a really interesting uh, time to observe this kind of stuff happening. I wrote an article a uh, week before last, which was all about the ultimate convergence of conversational AI. And this is kind of aligned with some of it. Um, so if you're interested in a little bit more about that, I would definitely recommend you go to vux.world forward slash articles. Very final one. This is a little bit kind of like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a bit um, theoretical, hypothetical. I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but basically it's 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 uh, not necessarily fact from the horse's mouth. It is uh, rumored based on a code that was observed to have been leaked on Reddit, code that had been leaked from Sonos, which uh, had uh, indication that there will be some degree of voice-enabled wake word detection on Sonos smart speakers. Again, not really a surprise. This has been forecast for a long time. Uh, Sonos acquired Snips, which was the Paris-based speech company. Uh, basically, the value prop for Snips was that it's on-device 
processing. And in an environment like Sonos, where you have a whole bunch of, I think lang- the language model for Sonos has pretty much been figured out because it's play music, stop music, play the last song, add this to my favorites, rewind, all of that kind of like basic music playing stuff. So Sonos can quite feasibly, using the Snips technology, uh, have its speakers run on device. Uh, yes, there'll be things that change like new song titles and new artist names and stuff like that and updates to the model, which they can make over time. It'll still be connected to the internet, but it, most of it will be running on devices. So don't be surprised if Sonos do release their voice assistant. Don't be surprised if one of the things that they are pushing really heavily is privacy and security on device processing. We don't know what you're asking for. We just play the song. And so, uh, very interesting though to see that it's been that the code has been uh, leaked, or at least evidence of this being leaked, because Sonos has been in a little bit of a spat recently with Google um, over who will have access to the wake word on Sonos speakers. So Google essentially want to have access to the wake word, and if it's something that Google can't um, handle, it will pass it off to Sonos, or if it's an intent that's specific to Sonos, it will pass it off to Sonos. Sonos want to work the other way around which is that Sonos want its assistant to be the go-to uh, assistant that handles the work word and the first intent, the first request. And then if it's a weather request or something, it'll hand it off to Google. Google doesn't want to play a second fiddle, which is obviously in line with Google's strategy because Google wants to be the front door to the internet and the entry point to the internet as it always has been traditionally when most of the internet was beginning in the browser and on Google. But now access to the internet and the interface to the internet is exploding you know every device possible is now connected to the internet and google is in a big battle to maintain its position as the uh default entry point to the internet because that's how it's built its entire business so far and inevitably if you can manage to get yourself into that position there'll be incredible upside to that in future as well as we all build our habits and behaviors and trust in voice interfaces but it would seem if this leak is actually correct which it might not be uh, but if it is it may well be that Sonos are pushing forward with their own assistant running on their own devices, leapfrogging Google. And if that's the case, I, you heard it here first, it will be a privacy-first voice assistant that processes most of its requests on the device. That is all for uh, this episode of uh, What's New in Conversational AI. If you haven't yet subscribed to my LinkedIn newsletter, please do so. It's called uh, Conversational AI and NLP. As I said, there's about 1,100 people subscribed so far just from today. Uh, I published the first one today. The next one will be next Tuesday. Uh, So please do that. If you want all of this stuff in your inbox, you want our weekly newsletter, which we do outside of LinkedIn, it's vux.world forward slash subscribe. This Thursday, as I mentioned, we're talking to Darren Clark of SoundHound all about wake word detection. Wednesday. It's Wednesday, not Thursday. It's tomorrow. So please do check that out. Uh, this has been fun. This has been fun. I think that, you know, next week, who knows if it'll be a quiet week or a booming week. Guillaume, thank you very much, mate. I appreciate that. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. I'm hoping it's going to be uh, busy. I'm hoping it's going to be another exciting one, but we shall soon see. So thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you same time next week or Wednesday if you join us for Wake Word Detection with Darren Clark. See you soon. <laughs>